there, this is Anna Callahan. You are listening to Incorruptible Massachusetts. Our goal is to help you understand state politics. So we're investigating why it is so broken, uh, imagining what we can have here in Massachusetts if we fix it, and uh, helping you get involved. So today um, I am, of course, as always, joined by the incredible, amazing um, Jonathan Conan, Jordan Berg Powers. Uh, Jonathan, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Jonathan Cohn. I've been active in the issue and electoral advocacy here in Massachusetts. So I moved here back in 2013 through a number of organizations, and I'm, ha I'm happy to be here. This, is, this will be a fun discussion. Uh huh. Jordan? Uh, my name is Jordan Berg Powers. I use he, him, and I have been active in Massachusetts politics for 11 years. Fabulous. Such a pleasure. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, why should we be involved in state politics? Like, why don't we just focus on national politics? Why don't we just focus on local politics? Um, why does state politics matter? Like what, uh, what's, what's the point of being involved there? Um, I know I call state politics the forgotten level of politics because I feel like people, tons of people are involved in national, um, volunteering at the national level, donating at the national level. Um, and then there are, you know, the next thing phase when you get really involved is you get involved in local politics. You start electing your city councilors, you start canvassing, doing those things. Like it's super exciting. Um, and then that's it. <laughs> and it kind of ends there. And so there's this whole level of government, which is your state, um, state government the state house, the state senate, um, and the governorship that just, it doesn't get any attention. And so the question is, why should people care and why should they become involved? And the one thing that I did say last week is that, you know, almost any policy that you wanna pass at the national level, you can pass at the state level. Like, unless you're talking about war and peace, unless you're talking about sending the army, sending the military, you can pass it right here for 7 million people, which would be amazing. Um, and so I know that Jordan has um, some personal history with this uh, particular question, um, and I'm gonna pass it off to you. Yeah, uh, so I embarrassingly was really focused on national politics when I first got into politics. So I even remember I had done a campaign um, when I was 14 and then again when I was 16 and somebody had noticed and they said, and, hey, do you want to run? I was 18 years old, and they said, "Do you want to run a state rep, state senate, uh, state rep campaign in Pennsylvania?" And I was like, "No." I mean, well, who cares about state politics? I was working on these congressional and senate campaigns, um, and I feel so naive and, and silly. Uh, but one of the things that I learned as I studied the progressive movement and the history of progressive successes throughout the years that actually things happen at the state level, right? Suffrage happened when states started to allow women suffrage and that made the push for national politics. The fight for civil, for against slavery was literally a state by state fight. Um, you know, when you look at all of our fights, the ability for, um, you know, the ability for Canada to get universal healthcare was their version of a state by state, right, going so. Um, it is that level, it is the states that always lead on these things. And it's something that, you know, I think the right wing gets really well, but I myself started the national politics and I learned very quickly working on national politics that America is big, it is noisy, and our national politics will always fall behind because we're representational democracy to some extent, um, you know, but it will always fall behind the regular people where regular people are at, but states have the ability to lead in ways where the national politics is about consensus of what's possible um, based on this loud, ginormous country. 
Um, and so that's why state politics is so important and why past histories have shown us that success has been on the states. Yeah, I, I have my own personal story, which is kind of the opposite, which is that I've been focused on local politics for like four plus years now, almost exclusively. Um, you know, I, I started this uh, group, um, co-founded with uh, some other friends, this organization called the Incorruptibles, and, you know, just spent years traveling around the country, training people um, in this kind of different model of like how to elect slates of candidates at the local level um, with this idea that at the local level, you can win, right? You can win just by canvassing. Um, so you really can win with a grassroots um, people powered campaign. And then you're getting people in at the local level. Um, and, and part of that was just when I looked at politicians who I felt were like really fantastic national politicians, they had started at the local level and it allowed them to slowly build a base of, of constituents um, and that they didn't have to rely on these giant donors and end up taking money from the wrong people and all that, which I think if you leap in at the you know, national level, that it's hard to avoid that. Um, so for me, it really was this, this thing that I was just so important to me of like, we must elect people at the local level. This is the place that you start. Um, anything else seemed kind of grandiose. Um, and you know, I, I, I felt like it was really important that people sort of take their local community very seriously. Um, and, and that whole model was based out of California. Right. And so when I, after a couple of years of training people around the country, when I was living in California briefly, right, I lived there for two and a half years, um, I came back to Massachusetts and I started, you know, training people here, watching what happened in places like Somerville and in Cambridge and in Medford and in these other uh, cities that had started electing people locally um, and was rather shocked to find out that in Massachusetts, you can't pass rent control at the local level. You cannot pass um, a lot of housing policy at the local level. You cannot pass a lot of workers' rights at the local level. Like there are simply things at the local level that we are either constitutionally barred from doing um, or there are, there are just state laws that don't allow that. And so I was like, wow, we're, we're handing these laws that we try to pass at the local level to the state house. And then they're just saying, no, and I was like, okay, <laughs> so hang on here. Maybe we need to focus on what's happening at the state, at the state level and at the state house specifically. So um, also learning that our state house districts are of a size where you can actually win with a grassroots canvassing campaign um, was something eye-opening to me because in California, that is not the case. <laughs> they are freaking gigantic. Um, and, uh, and so that's my personal story um, about sort of the forgotten level of government and how I ended up there. And I know you have two, one too, Jonathan. Yeah, Anna, your, your point just then is a great seg into what I was going to talk about. And I'll just riff on your, your comments just then really uh, quickly is how whenever there's some like Republican state legislature passing laws to prevent their deep blue capital city, from like prevent from passing its own laws, whether around like raising the minimum wage or something about like acknowledging the humanity of trans people, like people, 
I often think it's like, oh, like the state's blocking municipalities from passing their own laws. Massachusetts did that decades ago. Um, you know, like how much, and we often like forget about that dimension in Massachusetts about like some of the things that even when, when you see voting rights being rolled back in other states to a point still stronger than what we have here. Uh, it's just often embarrassing. But what first actually got me, uh, got me engaged in national politics was actually through seeing action happening on the state level. Because although I had been, I had been as somebody who would follow what goes on on national politics and not really actively following what went on in state politics, it was in that period after 2010, kind of 2010, 2011, and 2012, when you saw that like when Republicans had taken over state legislatures uh, and governor's offices around the countries and immediately started passing laws to restrict them. Restrict the electorate. Uh, knowing, thinking that if we exactly, uh, and then it was in 2012 when I was back at home, back at home in in Philly, uh, and it was, it was I had finished grad school, was applying for jobs, and it was right around the time, like shortly after Pennsylvania had passed a photo ID law in order to kind of, especially to reduce turnout in Philadelphia by creating extra hurdles for people. And I thought if there's going to be a push to restrict the electorate, I should put some time that I have now to help ex to help expand it. But not about kind of helping registering new voters and engaging people. And that's also kind of made me think about how when it comes to kind of our voting laws, that's heavily on the state level. Like the federal government can and should do more on that, but it is wild how much voting laws change from state to state, whether how long the polls are available, whether or not you can register on election day, whether you have early voting, whether you can vote by mail, it's something that states do. The federal government can incentivize it and they can use the leverage of when you have the elections aligning with federal, election, federal elections, but so much of that is in state control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier um, about how you know, state um, house races, you really can win with a canvassing campaign. I want us to bounce a little bit back and forth about the difference between how far your dollars go, your donation dollars go, and how far your volunteer hours go compared to a national campaign, right? Like how much does a national campaign for Congress cost? It's anywhere from like 3 million to six or $7 million. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. You can and do it cheaper in Massachusetts, but still it's usually no less than a million, two million, three million, four. Yeah, yeah, because I know that you definitely, for any type of congressional race, like even if it's just like the narrower elector that's in a primary, you need at least a million dollars for a congressional race. Whereas, like, I don't think I know of a case of somebody sending anywhere approaching that much money on the state level, and especially where it's like, I just remember that in 2018, when the, the most expensive state rep race was the one between former Ways and Means Chair Jeff Sanchez and state rep Nika Alagrado, where she raised, I believe, 130K, and he had about three times that. But like com the combination of all of the money spent on that race is less than half of the like low end of a, of a congressional race. And, let, and we're not even talking about the expenses of a Senate race. Yeah. And that was a <laughs> highly like, contested race, right? Mm -hmm. That was a race that was like the entire focus of like Massachusetts was <laughs> almost focused on that one race. Um, whereas... I think it's fair to say that for 75, there, there have been people who have won races for 75K or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, the, it's such a tiny, tiny fraction. And so your donation dollars 
um, can go so much farther donating to the race of someone running for the state house or even the state senate um, mm-hmm. than they can in going to a race for Congress. Um, and how about volunteer hours? I mean, I, one thing that I think about is that I would actually, even though I ran a state rep campaign, I would have no idea how to run a campaign for Congress because it's an entirely different campaign, right? You're, you're not just getting enough volunteers to knock on doors, to knock on enough doors. That's not what you do. There's, an, there's a whole other thing. You've got to win the media. You've got to be on, on, you know, digitally and social media and all these places. You've got to get endorsements. And I mean, it's a completely different kind of campaign. And I think when it comes to the volunteer hours, you really see that when you have your, let's say, and I think like California may be different when their states have given how large those districts are and like a comparable congressional size. Yeah. But in Massachusetts, given how small state rep seat, and even although the state Senate seat is four times larger, still not that big, all considered, you have the ability to make multiple passes of, of, of a universe of potential voters so that you're talking to people multiple times. And so as a volunteer, you, you, you'll talk to more voters of the potential like universe of voters anytime you go out than you would do for a congressional race, which is going to be like many times larger so that your just that time that you give has a greater impact in, shape, in shape, shaping the electorate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so, I mean, you can win a state rep race. You know, we like to say with like six dedicated people, mm-hmm. you can barely cover a town with six dedicated people running for Congress, right? Like there's just, mm-hmm. it's just not, this, it's not remotely the same level. Um, and I think the important thing is like impact. Like you can really dive in on issues. You can really have conversations with voters. You know, you're having conversations where you're talking to them more than once or twice or three times. So it's not just the ability of like volu- of volunteers to, to get to people, but also your impact in terms of having conversations about what we believe and what the future looks like. You can have a real impact at that local level. Oh yeah. And, and in terms of just voters, Right, state rep races sometimes win by two, three thousand. A lot of times, if there's only two people, it's like five thousand now because of the um, mail-in voting. But still, we're talking pretty small numbers needed to win an election. Doable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally absolutely. doable. It's absolutely doable, and so your impact can be enormous for for a lot less sort of um, organizing work. All the things that go into it. Yeah. It reminds me of like uh, when a friend of mine had realized that she had more Facebook friends than her state rep had votes in his. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. And that's, you know, that's a fair way to put it, right? Mm -hmm. That is a fair way to put it. And so I think that that, you know, that leads to the idea that like, you know, there are so many things that we could be doing to model for other states, right? The great thing about Massachusetts is that our state rep and state senate seats are not huge. They're not super expensive. They're not like Texas, millions and millions of dollars. They are in the tens of thousands of dollars. They are, you know, doable with the people you know. Um, And so you can have an impact on the policies we want, and then that reverberates out. You know, one of the things I admire about the right wing, and it's not many things, conservatives generally have terrible values, but one of the things they understand is the ability to use their states as laboratories for their terrible ideas, right? Like Mm -hmm. Texas, um, uh, Florida, Mississippi, Oklahoma, their legislatures are pushing radical 
terrible ideas. They, you know, they are thinking of new and creative ways to hurt LGBTQ people, to hurt women's access, to hurt individuals, right? They are, they are thinking about new ways to make government not work for regular people, new ways to give, to give more power to corporations. We are not so bold <laughs> in Massachusetts, right? We aren't thinking about all of the different ways we could be making people's lives better, pushing policies to focus on people, right? Like here we could be, you know, we could be raising minimum wages higher, one, because our costs are so much more, and two, because that then generates the push upward in other states. If we pass, you know, when we pass paid leave, that pushes other states to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if we were to lead on universal healthcare, just like in Canada, mm -hmm. if this is a place where we push it and people see it's working, it will catch on around the and, country. It's and not, in Canada, it happened that way, is that right? That is right. It started, mm -hmm. it started with uh, Kiefer Sutherland's father uh, pushing it as the governor of one of one province. And that then cascaded to other provinces because they saw how good it worked and how popular it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are so many policies that we could be modeling here for other states. Instead, our legislature is spending its time catching up to other states, mm -hmm. which is an unfortunate mm -hmm. reality, right? Like we're catching up on driver's licenses. We're catching up mm -hmm. on criminal justice reform. We're catching up on voter suppression, right? Like we, we aspire to be, to have voting as oppressed as South Carolina and Florida, let alone pass them and have voter and have voter access that's you, you know, that's, that's equal to the other New England states in terms of same day registration, which all other New England states have, and we don't. Um, and so I think that we should be doing yes and, right? Like we should be mm -hmm. catching up, but we should also be leading, we should be creative, we should be pushing on these policies, universal healthcare and climate change as two really important issues where other states should be saying Massachusetts did it, so we should do it too. Yeah, and I always say that about specifically about a Medicare for all style system that like once one state does it, it's over. It is over because people have relatives who live in that state. People will have friends who live in that state, old, you know, folks they went to college with or whatever, and people are going to talk and it's that's the end. So it, imagine Massachusetts being that state. Imagine us being the state that finally puts the nail in the coffin of this horrible you know, for-profit death machine that is our insure, health insurance industry. Um, and it, us, us, us volunteers, donors being responsible for helping, you know, 30,000 people every year still be alive in the United States because they didn't die because they were too poor to have medical care. You know, that's a thing we could make happen. The, the one thing kind of, on, kind of on this issue that I often think of is the line from Louis Brandeis about the idea of states being laboratories of democracy, which is such a good way of seeing that about what the things that you can do on the state level that filter outward and up. And going back to the point of voting uh, rights legislation noted earlier, it was fascinating to see like a few years ago about how much that like went after Oregon was the, became the first state to have automatic voter registration, kind of using them when people interface with state agencies to just kind of kind of enroll them, enroll them as voters, uh, how that took off with like wildfire in a number of other states because like they pioneered the idea, they showed that it worked well and then other states were like, oh, why don't we do this? Uh, and then it, and then you started seeing like within a few years over a dozen states had already done it, uh, seeing, seeing a successful model done by somebody else. And that's the type of impact that like good forward thinking state policy can have because you're showing 
one, one like, yes, this is an idea that should be on your radar and yes, it works to basically like knock down that kind of creativity hurdle of even getting, having the idea talk kind of those ideas and getting knocking down the viability hurdle that people bring up about whether something can actually work because you can yeah. show that it can. And, and speaking of viability, like the place to take over your state is here in Massachusetts because mm-hmm. our voters already, we're a wildly democratic and, a, you know, not, not unprogressive state. Like we, there's a lot of progressives who live here. So if we're gonna, if there's a state that's gonna lead, it, it could be us, right? You take mm-hmm. over another state that's in a place that's a little more purple, um, it's, it's gonna be a little bit of a harder lift because of the voters. But here we have the voters. The voters want all of these policies, right? So there's not going to be any pushback. And and just think about the things that we can have for 7 million people. As well as, and to your point, many people probably, there are many people who probably think Massachusetts has already passed many of the laws who live here. So you don't even, you won't necessarily get the pushback if people be like, oh yeah, haven't we, didn't we do that already? No, they didn't. They all oppose it, but now we can. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> That's my delayed sound effects. <laughs> I'm just trying to catch up. Oh, here's my here's my last delayed sound effect, which is, um, you know, if you're one of those people, like um, most of the people that I have talked to about state politics, that you know, you hear state politics and you think. <laughs> You know, it's just not, it's not interesting. It's not worth diving into. We're doing well enough. Aren't we all Democrats? All of those things that people think, you know, when you say, hey, like, pay attention. Look at what's happening at the state level. Um, Hopefully the rest of this whole um, podcast that we're doing together is going to help you understand, like last episode was what we could have here in Massachusetts. Today is why on earth state politics. Um, And starting next week, we're going to get into what is going on in our state house. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait. (laughs) Jordan, Jonathan, thank you so much. It is such a pleasure being here with you guys every week. Always a pleasure. (laughs) 